Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, a daily rundown of all things Vice. It's Thursday, February 8th. I'm Chris Hardy. Today, we'll explore the relationship between gaming and Buddhist teachings through the lens of some monks in Thailand. But first, the headlines. On Tuesday, in true Elon Musk fashion, SpaceX successfully launched its new Falcon Heavy rocket from Cape Canaveral in Florida. With it went a red Tesla Roadster and a dummy driver wearing a company spacesuit, which is supposed to orbit the sun for hundreds of millions of years. And in true Trump fashion, Trump wants the Pentagon to put on a military pageant in Washington after seeing something similar in France. Critics say that the parade would be a huge waste of tax dollars. And late Tuesday night, a magnitude 6.4 earthquake struck near the city of Hualien in Taiwan, leaving at least six people dead and 258 others injured. Dozens of people are believed to still be trapped underneath or inside the rubble. And now, here's the news you won't get anywhere else. Game journalists have intimately studied Christianity's reaction to games, from religious developers that co-opt the medium to evangelical groups that condemn them as a tool of Satan. But there's been less focus on how other faiths engage, and on occasion clash with, video games. In this episode, we're examining the perspective of a group of Buddhist monks in Thailand on the meaning of video games. Here's Vices and Kita Rao speaking with managing editor of Waypoint, Danielle Riendo, on the story. The question of faith and video games is not a new one. But is this the first time you've seen someone sort of examine Buddhism and video games? With this story, we absolutely were interested in it because of that. Christianity has been examined in terms of games over and over again. There's been a lot of sort of sound bites, especially in the 90s, about like, you know, preachers saying Pokemon were evil or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but we hadn't seen much with Eastern religions. We hadn't seen much done with Buddhism, probably because that's just uh, an area where, you know, speaking for my staff, none of us are Buddhist. You know, none of us know as much about Buddhism as somebody who actually lives uh, in the East. So we have a freelancer, Robert Rath, who lives in Hong Kong and he does a lot of traveling in Asia. And he is much more conversant with these issues, certainly. Uh, And he actually went to a temple, uh, Wat Chedi Luang in Chiang Mai, Thailand, So he actually went and spoke with uh, a couple of monks and one person who was sort of a former monk who now works at the temple as a layperson about what what do you do with games as a Buddhist? What is sort of the interaction there? What is the feeling sort of across the faith? Not obviously nobody can ever speak to their entire faith, but they can speak towards their experience, their experience at the temple and sort of their sect uh, of Buddhism. Robert Rath lives in Hong Kong But how did he come across this idea for Buddhism and how gaming fits into their faith? 
So uh, Robert Roth is a freelancer for us. He writes for us uh, probably about once a month. And he lives in Hong Kong and was traveling, actually, this summer. It's a personal vacation um, all around Asia. Uh, I know he visited Thailand and Vietnam on this trip. And when he was in Vietnam, he actually encountered this poster uh, that was uh, inspired the story, really. And it basically, uh, to give you a quick idea about it, it basically equates being too obsessed with video games and spending all your life in video games, just really playing games all the time, as sort of damaging your chances of, of being reincarnated as a full human, that playing games all the time and being so completely away from other people around you and not being mindful can actually sort of damage your soul in a way. And so he was found that very interesting. Uh, and he actually went to Thailand and spoke with some monks at the temple there uh, in order to kind of get their feeling on it. And it was really interesting because the folks there were like, oh, well, that, you know, they're from a different sect. Like, this isn't necessarily what we believe. This is like a pretty extreme kind of illustration. But they, they kind of went into, OK, here's here's how we would explain this. Yeah, it was it was interesting to me that there's actually some precedence for this in Buddhism, right? He talks about how there's actually a text in which Buddha said which games he plays. Obviously, this was before video games, (laughs) but he talks about, you know, um, you know, he doesn't gamble. He doesn't play chess. He just talks about how that takes away from his mindfulness. What was the sense that you got about how that looks now in sort of modern day monasteries and temples? Yeah, that was actually one of the coolest parts of this piece was uh, looking at how these folks at, at this temple, I got the sense it was a fairly moderate temple, you know, folks who very much were interested in meeting people where they are in terms of we live in an interconnected world. Games are a part of the world. Facebook is a part of the world. Social media is a part of the world. Uh, there was one gentleman who is actually sort of a, a interconnected monk. That's how uh, Robert Rath talks about him in the piece. He talks about using Facebook and Twitter to teach about Buddhism and give outsiders a view on monastic life. And he has a lot of you know ideas about games. Uh, and that was prevailing throughout the piece, that the folks there feel like games are not in, in and of themselves a bad thing in any way. They're a good way to relax. They're a good way to maybe let off some steam. The problem comes in their view when you pay too much attention to games, you pay less attention to your actual teachings or actually being mindful and being present in your life. And you sort of use that as sort of a vector to create attachment and unhappiness, basically, which I thought was actually really awesome and cool. That seems like a really good, balanced approach. It sounds like this is a good way of kind of using these teachings, being in modern life and being present in modern life, but also knowing to moderate. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Buddhism, the single sort of foremost tenant there is the middle road or the middle path. So it's not shocking to me that it isn't sort of a black and white issue like it might be in other religions. But I also think it's interesting because a lot of times we think of this faith as connected to peace and nature. And in this piece, we actually have this extremely high level um, Buddhist monk, Kamapa Lama, and he's saying that he uses first person shooter games as his own outlet so where does that fit in from what you've heard? That's mentioned a couple of times in the piece. And it's actually in this context, uh, he's saying, oh, it's a good way of actually like releasing tension in a way. Like I won't hurt anybody in real life. This is a completely you know, virtual environment. There's no attachment there. There's no 
you know, risk of harming anyone because it's, as I understand it, uh, a, a pretty nonviolent religion. It's, it's uh, you know, teaching against harming other things and harming yourself. So I thought that was really cool. And that's something that's actually complicated a little bit in the piece by another one of the the, the monks here kind of says, oh, I could, I could see it being a little bit of an issue if you went in to grief. And I'll explain what griefing means, basically. Uh, so basically in like a big game, like a GTA Online, Grand Theft Auto Online, when you actually go in and you mess with other players' games, like, oh, you steal their car, you actually do something, you're actually doing a little bit of harm to a real-life person. But as long as there's no actual harm to another person or anything like that, it seems like this is an okay thing to do in a, in a perfectly good way to relax and sort of enjoy your day without doing any damage to your own teachings or your own religious life. Is this something that comes up a lot in the gaming world of like, what is the delicate balance of like how much games can enrich your life and when they start to take away from your life? I think so. I mean, it's something I certainly think about a lot personally. I think it's something we all think about a lot at Waypoint, you know, as people who have chosen to do this, right, who have chosen to uh, cover video games and play a lot of games and enjoy a lot of games. And certainly, I think there's a perception out there that most games are like really violent and kind of damaging (laughs) in a lot of ways. And I am always really excited to counter that with a lot of examples of how creative a lot of games are, how much it's an outlet for a lot of creative people, a lot of marginalized people. Uh, There's a platform called itch.io that has, you can buy games there certainly, but there's also a lot of free games that are just an expression. Uh, And there's like a wonderful community of like queer folks and folks of color just making really cool things, you know, games that are about a moment, about enjoying tea, about, you know, commuting, about all kinds of things, really, just a really vibrant and wonderful expression of life. And certainly big budget games do tend to be explosive and, you know, sort of blockbusters. And those are enjoyable, absolutely, for their own reasons. I enjoy those games as well. But I'm always excited to talk about what an incredible breadth of actual variety there is, especially now. Uh, That wasn't maybe always true. You know, um, there were always sort of smaller projects, but now there's a lot out there. There's also this sort of inherent tension and a generational shift, and older monks are watching these young kids do their studies and join these monasteries and do their sort of three-month mandatory, (laughs) you know, monk training and suddenly have access to devices and internet cafes and all sorts of games. How does that change the way that they interact with sort of these environments? And is there a point at which it actually does detract from their experience? Uh, someone who actually left uh, the monastic life but works at the temple as a layman, he kind of laid out an answer that was like, you know, I think an hour a day seems appropriate. That that seems like, oh, that won't be too much. And there was actually a younger monk, a, a novice monk, who kind of looked at him with a, you know, kind of a look and was like, eh, maybe half an hour, which was very funny. It was like, oh, oh, you know, the maybe the older generation was like, oh, this seems okay. Let's let's see where the balance is. And the younger person is like, eh, let's not go too crazy. You know, the really the um the overall thing was making sure it is a, a moderated activity. Uh, and they and they definitely sort of equated it with things like older games or playing soccer or playing football or, or playing other games. The idea being sports are okay, again, as long as you're not getting too attached to it. As long as it's not, oh, all I want to do is win. That's all I care about. Instead of, this is something I'm doing to just sort of blow off steam, enjoy myself, maybe get some exercise in that case, you know, uh, as opposed to video games. And then not being too attached to the idea of winning or losing or having negative feelings or or having a vendetta against another player or something like that. 
really the idea here all came back to enjoying something in moderation and not letting that ever sort of detract from your studies or your mindfulness, especially in the case of the younger, the novice monks. They did talk quite a bit about, you know, it is a problem when there are, you know, young monks, especially if they are very, very young. Uh, I think the ages here were basically teens who might not have the best impulse control. So a couple of folks here were talking about, oh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely a problem if they're playing this five hours a day instead of actually looking at their religious studies and actually being mindful and actually, you know, doing their meditations with mindfulness as opposed to just doing it to do it and then go back to the game. It all kind of came back to that idea of definitely in moderation and kind of watching this, watching it so it doesn't become a problem. To read the full article, go to waypoint.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. For more news and culture, check out vice.com. And tune in again tomorrow for another Vice Guide to Right Now. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.